Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So the Game of Thrones season seven teaser trailer came out this week. Uh, what did you think of the graphic, first of all? I was a little disappointed. They try to do something between being realistic and kind of um, graphic novelly, and they didn't quite find the right balance. I, I was really upset because I don't think that the direwolf was as obvious as it should have been. No, it no, it wasn't. And really, the only one that was totally obvious to me was yeah, I agree. I agree. I was like, why are they? Why are the Baratheons like? Why are we prioritizing this over seeing the Stark <laughs> direwolf? And then like, and then the Kraken comes in. I mean, I don't know about you, but for the show, yeah, they must have something in mind because I could really take or leave the Ironborn. Ah, you're against the Ironborn. I thought they finally. I'm not against. Them. I mean, the the storyline got pretty old. You know what storyline is not going to get old? Is Professor Slughorn reprising his role as a wise old wizard. I know. I love it. I know. Professor Slughorn. Merwin the Mage. I think we're, we're psyched on this one, right? Archmaester. Interested to see. Yeah. It means that we're going to be spending a bunch of time in Old Town, I would say. I I liked the sparing shots that we got of Old Town last season. So Yeah. That was... That was one of the pieces at the end of the season that I was that kind of uplifted me. Wow. Only uh, four months and three days away, and we've already dedicated a good few minutes of pod time to talk about it. <laughs> and no, why don't we get back to baseball? You and I uh, <laughs> were, have been talking about some aging second yeah. basemen recently. It spurred on a, um, a, a tweet from me, but... Dustin Pedroia and um, and Zobrist are they are they fantasy relevant? One of them has outfield eligibility that I think gives him the positional flexibility that's required. When both of us have rock solid two Bs already. Mm, true, you're right. You, so essentially, you passed over Mr. Pedroia, and I had said that he was the the guy that you should draft. Because he looked would look very good on your team, Mister Average and Average and runs, and you passed him over for Zobrist. I did. I I'm expecting more runs on that Cubs team. All right. Well, I am proposing a little bet box wager on uh, player raider. Yeah, on our on our player raider. Okay, on the player raider. All right, I'm good in the bet box. I'm taking Pedroia. You're taking Zobrist. End of the year or through the regular season? Regular season. Let's do the regular season. That's right. First 18 All right. Uh, Have you taken some time to watch the WBC, the World Baseball Classic? 
No, I catch all the highlights, but I haven't been able to carve out time to watch any of the games in full. There's been there's been some decent stuff. I mean, the highlights. I think if you're watching the same highlights I'm watching, you're just seeing a a ton of home runs being hit. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of home runs. I mean, the the pitchers just need more time to get ready for the season. Yeah. I think everybody knows that hitting you can kind of you can knock the rust off pretty fast. I I've been pretty heartened by uh, seeing some of my players on the field i think i know archer hey archer's looking pretty good out there i will say that one of the you know we shit on the rolling draft a lot but one of the pros to the rolling draft is that i have a lot of time to get invested in my team during spring training <laughs> yeah yes our our league does a rolling draft which means that it ta- it happens over the course of many many weeks and it does help you really get invested in your team. And by the end of the draft, you're like, you feel like you've had the team for a yeah, long time. Yeah, I drafted Yadier Molina earlier this week, and then he immediately posted something on Instagram about how he didn't feel safe with his family or something during the WBC. And I was like, yeah, MLB needs to do something about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, protect Molina, one of the Molinas. <laughs> there are only like three or four spares for him. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite baseball families, I think. So what team are you supporting um, after after America? I don't support a team other than USA. You, you don't even like partially say like, ooh, that Dutch team, like... I knew that you... I knew that's what you were going to say. If I had to pick a second team, it would be the Dutch team. I don't know why. But it's a Dutch team. Not even the Canadians? No. I like the uh, the couple of teams that have like the one major leaguer who is yeah. at the center of their team. So this week on the pod, I'm going to continue discussing our series on the scoring categories. Uh, and then Eric's going to evaluate our draft and talk a little bit more in general about draft evaluation. So here we go. We're going to talk today about what I consider to be one of the toughest categories to forecast. And I think it's wins, predicting how many wins your pitcher is going to get. Why so difficult? Uh, I have a hot take. You can disagree with me if you want. Is wins the most volatile category week to week? Well, the hot take is wins are the most volatile category? I think they are. (laughs) I mean, I I totally get it. They're extremely volatile volatile i mean usually you have one a starter pitches once maybe twice twice a week so you can't even depend on your starting pitcher to win in any given week even the best ones win two-thirds of the time wow all right well you're stealing a bunch of my stats already but you're right i mean there's there's a huge small number statistics problem here right that unlike unlike on the hitting side where in any given category I mean, you can make an argument about batting average, and I'm sure we will. But in any given category, you can have one guy put the team on his back and carry it. Yeah. You can't have that in pitching. I mean, I guess you can you can kind of have it in Ks. You can kind of have it in, like, if a guy's got a really good outing. But even if he has a great outing, no guarantee of a win. And you might, I mean, if you're crazy lucky, get two wins out of a guy in a week. But... Mm-hmm. I, uh, I put together a few infographics this week. The first infographic was uh, based on the teams, how many wins individual, um, how many in- wins individual pitchers got. 
you start to see some of the basics. Did you know last year that uh, the Twins didn't have a single 10-game winner? Um, I think I was. Yes, yes, I did, going down the stretch because um, I was told to watch Big Irv because he was the only chance of someone getting to 10 wins. That is absolutely right. And uh, it's kind of a bummer. At least the Padres and, surprisingly, the Pirates only had eight-game winners on their team. Yeah, and the, oh. that pirates that pirates one is is rough, but I get what this is what this is really showing is that only a fraction of the wins go to the starters. Like Eric said, something like two thirds of the wins will, on average, will go to the starters. So later on, I think I'm going to ask you a little bit about digging around for relievers. But let's talk a little bit about let's talk about the starters right now. One of the reasons that wins is so hard to predict is that a correlation between ERA and wins or whip and wins or Ks and wins is fairly low. Um, there's bounding values, of course. You Nobody last year had an ERA of 5 plus and more than 12 wins. But that said, there was somebody with 5 ERA oh, and good. 11 wins. So, you know... <laughs> Who is that? Uh, I don't. Ooh, I gotta look that. I gotta look that up. Hold on. I think I have it. The ERA. Let's see. Jared Weaver wow. has an ERA of five and records twelve wins last year. <clears throat> wow. Yep. And it's crazy. And it turns out that there's also that you can also have an ERA of uh, three and still only get to twelve wins if you're Mike Fultonevich. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had Shelby Miller in twenty. 2015 and he had an amazing era throughout most of the season and just could not get any wins (laughs) so shelby miller is a is a miserable example for 2016 because he is one of the 2016 most extreme outliers on here but uh you can also be tyler duffy you know have an era of six plus and still get nine wins so uh yeah you're right i mean there's no real correlation no, there's it's not that there's it's not that there's no correlation. I mean, there's again, like I said, there are bounding values, but but it's it's a weak dependence. So if you're pressed though, WHIP has a slightly better indicator. Um, e.g., we've got Degrom and Porcello had a comparable ERA, but Degrom only got a third of the wins that Porcello did, versus somebody like Rich Hill and Porcello had comparable ER had comparable WHIPs and. Rich Hill at least got to fifty percent of the Porcello wins. <laughs> oh, I see what you're, I see what you're going for. Yeah, it's... yeah. I guess so. Whip is a little bit better. So um, rules of thumb here that for every ERA, for every run that you subtract from your ERA, you would add five wins. But subtracting one from your ERA over a whole season is is hard. I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough ask. Um, and subtracting 0.1 from your whip gives you like plus three wins. So that's sort of the slope of the correlations, but not tight. Um, K's per inning is a scatter plot. Hmm. It's there is just no correlation. So I'm wondering if this is sort of tangential, and but if we're relating the week one stuff or the week zero stuff to today's topic, I think you have to draft these goals totally separately. If you're serious about wins. And serious about K's, you have to divorce those two in your head. You can't be looking for the one guy who's going to solve both those problems. Oh, totally. Yeah, because you can't really predict it. There are very few uh, pitchers that you can pencil in for, I mean, geez, 
16 what what is it you'd want like 16 plus wins i mean you you want you want a win a week on average 300 k's like how many pitchers have we seen (laughs) even pedro in his best years like it all comes back to pedro all right yeah of, of course gotta gotta get some mention of pedro uh so I think that that also tells you that later on in the season, you have to stream these goals independently. If you have goals for wins or goals for Ks, you're not going to be looking for a guy to solve both those problems. Okay. Um, it turns out in my digging around that I think innings is actually the best indicator of how many wins you're going to get. Yeah, of course. No, not of course. That's not an of yeah, course Yeah, the more thing. innings that you're able to be in the game, the more likely it is that you are going to see the game through to completion. Okay. I so you're so you're saying that it's more of a how many decisions they actually get. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You're more likely to get a decision if you have more innings. Um because if you have if you're at, you know five innings, you're not gonna get a win. Um but if you have if you're regularly getting to six plus innings you are more likely to be able to get decisions and if you're on a good team even frankly on a mediocre team you're more likely to be able to get a win do you have less chance that you're leaving for someone else to um blow it or grab the decisions most somehow? likely blow it but yeah you're right um and you actually segued nicely into my next point which is that um, there are different tracks. So the slope is about the same. So for every six innings pitched, you can expect one win. But that only takes hold after you reach a certain base baseline innings pitched, which means that essentially that's telling you that those are the that below that threshold, the team isn't able to basically provide you enough run support to give you a decision. This is a six innings, uh, six innings from an average starting pitcher i assume yeah yeah so these are these are all the all the 20 start pitchers from last year so all the analysis that i'm doing is on guys that had 20 plus starts last year okay gotcha um so but what this means is that um there's you're more likely to get a decision if you're on a good team like we were talking about before where there's run support happening um where you're maybe able to go a little bit deeper into games, partly because they run support. So on a team like the Cubs, you only have to throw away about a third of your innings pitched for decisions. Um, but for somebody like the Twins, 50% of your innings out there are going to be thrown away. So the reason, Oof. yeah, I know. So <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're a Twins pitcher, you can that six, those six innings that you pitched that are worth one run, they're actually only worth only worth half a half a win. But if you're on the Cubs, wow. it's worth two thirds of a win. So there's actually a big time effect on the teams. Absolutely, yeah, that makes intuitive sense. Passes a sniff test. And so there's a first order there's a first order effect there that your team matters for your overall win total. But what's weird is that it really doesn't manifest well on a year-on-year correlation. So you really have to reevaluate every single year for the pitchers what you think their team is going to look like. You can't forecast backwards from the wins that they had in a previous year. Yeah, and I think that's a big mistake that people make and why I think a lot of people are getting smart to the Rick Porcellos of the world. (laughs) Finally starting to get smart about that. It's, It's us just out there banging the drum. 
uh, strategy points. So let's let's try and bring this together with some takeaways here. Uh, it's hard to correlate wins with anything else. My point would be if you want to win wins, you have to go for it directly. Um, your best chance to win wins is still increasing the number of starts. It's rolling the dice as many times as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an aside here that I wonder if relief outings are ever worth it to pick up. Um, some of the the worst teams, the worst offensive teams, huge shares of their wins go to the relievers. Like the for instance, the the bottom five teams, something like fifty percent of their wins go to relievers. So you could roll the dice there if you think that there's a good reliever on the Twins, or you know if you look at their series in this upcoming week and think, all right, well, I think that the Twins are actually playing, I don't know, the Braves, and I don't think the Braves are good. Right. Oh, yeah. So you're saying that maybe, maybe that's a better strategy to, to steal a win is to grab the long reliever, the best dardo, if you will? On a bad team. I'm kind of thinking about yeah. that. Um, you know, a team like hmm. the Cubs, 80% of their wins go to the starters, but on a team like the Twins, only 50% of the wins go to the starters. So I would rather have a higher quality long reliever than the than whatever random innings eater they're throwing out to start the game. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point that we'll have to revisit when we dive into the Bestardo strategy. So, um, and the final point to strategy would be go for it directly, picking based on teams. You know, we've flirted a lot with how to analyze matchups and we've kicked some stuff back and forth. Maybe some of it will be ready for prime time this year. I don't know. We're not quite ready yet. But realistically, I think that's probably the only way to go when you really need a win. You know, if it's if it's late in the week and you're trying to look for that one extra start, you're going to have to play the matchups. But how do you do that? We'll, uh, we'll come back with some tips maybe. There we go. It's a little teaser for later. Well, hope either everyone's rolling draft is going well or you're getting all set up for your draft day. Sometimes we wax philosophical about pronunciations. You seem to have put a lot of thought into Why that. is it Mookie Mookie? Mookie? Mookie Beats? <laughs> no, I mean, there's already grounds for this, right? Like, Rookie, why isn't it Mookie? Wow. Uh, this is, I'm, I am not very good with pronunciations, so I, I don't know how I can be an authority I mean, here. unless we're all supposed to pronounce Rookie, Rookie. Draft evaluation is one of my favorite topics and one of the big reasons that we have a podcast at all. I started tinkering with metrics for evaluating our league draft a few years ago when I had a sneaking suspicion that I had killed it in ours. Um, When I showed Mike some of the work that I'd put together, he was convinced that I was just trying to um, fluff my team and has been convinced ever since that I am never fair in my evaluation metrics <laughs> um yes he's nodding his head vigorously um so why evaluate your draft uh, for some leagues more on the football side than baseball the league is all about the draft with the season being an afterthought um as we mentioned before we have a rolling draft kind of happens over a long period of time So it kind of uh, supports some fairness, but um, it's less of the one beer-fueled kind of get-together, more of like a um, long teaser for the season. 
So you're saying you're more likely to be happy with your team at the end of this draft than the end of a beer-fueled romp. Well, I think you're more likely to be able to fully evaluate the players that you're drafting rather than, oh my gosh, it's back to me, and this the snake draft got back to me, and I have no one... No idea who to pick is Ted Lilly still in the league. <laughs> yeah, so you know, some leagues it's that's the be all end all. Ours it's not quite. But in general, I'm a big believer in understanding things at the disaggregate level. So understanding the draft and how you did in the draft helps inform how you're doing the other aspects of the game. Waivers, bad luck, trades, etc. Um, and this helps you to manage your team, whether it's for next year or this year. And, um, you know, it tells you whether you're throwing back the wrong players onto waivers or whether you're, uh, or you're just blowing it on, uh, on the draft day. So during season zero of the show, I cooked up a method for evaluating our draft by using a, uh, binary rating system, which compared each pick to fantasy prognosticators. Um, for each pick, I was essentially asking, would this uh, would this resource say this pick is good? Yes? No? Um, and then this created kind of an intuitive rating system, which I thought was largely s- successful at the start of the season. Mike, you can weigh in if you want. I... You know, I'm begrudgingly coming around to the fact that you might have good drafts. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I, I I like I like this evaluation. I I think the binary way. I mean, something that's. I like starting the idea of starting with something that even feels overly simplistic, right? Y- yeah. And I think I think that this gives you, um, a jumping off point for sure. Right and. I would like to dive deeper, but in general, I I kind of always go to the KISS method of things. Keep it simple, stupid. And this is telling me exactly what I'm asking. Would uh, each one of these different websites say that this pick was okay? Um, it's a good way to at least start the, the conversation, and maybe down the line we'll, we'll add some... We'll figure out some better metrics. Um, do you think that this fits in the modeling paradigm or is it a little too simplistic? Would you even call it modeling? I think that there are elements of modeling, right? Because you're, you're building a model based on the, based on two things, both the average draft position and also some sort of evaluation. So you're, you're, you're kind of borrowing models, but then you're kind of aggregating those models into something else. So there's definitely a model under there, even if we're mm-hmm. not explicitly looking at what that is. Yeah, and maybe that's what we're trying to do, is trying to reveal hmm. more about what the underlying model is. Anyways, so just to kind of say what what I have done, I've been hinting at it, but um, in a way, last week's topic that I covered, um, ADP, was a precursor to this one. Um, this week I used Fantasy Pros data, in my web scraping tools, becoming a tool set, I would say, to <laughs> to inform our ratings. I grabbed uh, rankings from Fantasy Pros. I grabbed our um, Fantasy Draft results. I grabbed 
CBS rankings, projections, and and whatnot. Combined all those guys and then applied this plus minus ranking system to a few different um, a, a few different fields. I'll call them right now. But so for every pick that a person made, I compared their pick placement to the uh, Fantasy Pros best ranking, Fantasy Pros worst ranking, the average ranking, um, the ADP of that player, and CBS's projected ranking. So that means that every pick could get a could get essentially five thumbs up and at a minimum you get zero i guess, <laughs> i guess and a few picks have yeah can't we just go with like a handful yeah. know, like... <laughs> who who's gotten zero so far there have been there have been a few of those rossell iglesias is the first yeah one. i understand i understand why that was that was done who do we who else do we have ooh kelvin herrera we're told was taken way too early same as Kevin Gosman, Matt Shoemaker, Jose Reyes. You know, you're right. The Russell Iglesias is defensible. And um, if you, for some reason, think that the Reds are going to be looking at a ton of save opportunities this year, and you think that he's actually the closer. It's just early. I mean, yeah. this is this is what's interesting is the draft kind of gets away from you. And that's what some of this is pointing out. Like... Uh, sometimes you have to grab a closer because otherwise there will be none left, even though you're drafting him two or three rounds ahead of time. But that's not the case with Iglesias. I oh, mean, no, no. He was drafted, he's drafted before Britain, before Melanson, before O, before, I mean, <laughs> before Edwin Diaz, who is actually a one thumb up. Yeah, so any other kind of uh, just thoughts that you have when when skimming this over um you know i'm always pleased to see ian kinsler get four thumbs up uh, <laughs> sad you know you sad that good, he's right? not on my team but <laughs> yeah you know i i would absolutely do that i mean there's some other things you know guys that we talked about like you talked about drafting jose bautista he fell a little bit his value really cranked up because of that um mm-hmm. you i mean you yourself got evan longoria decent at decent value yeah a lot of these old old players lingered on the board which meant that they were um according to the fantasy rankers yeah were due and i i felt like my hand sometimes was forced because i was like i can't let him go another round how is he still on the board you really you really did have you really have taken the like forced your hand type draft and i've taken the i know that my hand should be forced here and i'm not going to do it yeah so let's yeah why don't we but it's funny it's funny then that we both ended up with we have totally different draft strategies this year i think and we're pretty much right in the middle yeah we have very different strategies and we're both so this aggregator says that uh, you have your draft is number oh oh boy look at this look at what's happened when we normalize by the number of picks that we've had 
you have the number six draft and I have the number seven draft. All right. Well, I think that the this draft evaluation is going to it's gonna grow a little bit. And what we did last year was we revisited the draft evaluation mid season to give a, a a sense for how the real stats comparing the real stats to our draft position actually looked and it and it does change things a lot so all right well you want to wrap this thing up yeah let's go for it you know are you gonna sell me here on hello world parentheses wine so i was in the wine shop and that is what i happened upon was a wine i've never seen that before well it's a spanish wine apparently what why not a silicon valley wine (laughs) right but that was my thought exactly. The The wine was called Hello World. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's a programming thing. And it's like I wanted to kind of like bring it to everyone in the store. But I knew that absolutely no one would know that it was a programming <laughs> thing, let alone like. I, I immediately got it. I assumed it was some new startup that was trying to sell wine on the Internet. It is a new wine. That is true. It, right. That would be That would be good. Maybe we should start that. Oh, yeah. All right, conferences, conference tournaments are over. Brackets are up. You excited for March Madness? I am running the pool for our department this year. Bunch of oh. nerds, bunch of nerds who largely don't know anything except for you know we've got guys that went places. Like the problem is the guy who went to Louisville knows a lot about basketball and consistently picks Louisville, and it turns out well. So. And Ooh. I just like, therefore, I knee jerk. I'm like, Louisville is going to be bad this year. Uh, no chance. You know, just just got to take that <laughs> opposition viewpoint. I tend to be on the wrong side. But I, I like filling out brackets. I know that I'm going to be parked in front of the TV Thursday, Friday. Yeah, I like filling out brackets too. I am notoriously bad. <laughs> and I've never had a year where it's like all gone right for me somehow. Like yeah. I had a coworker who had just like a miracle bracket that just killed it and it was because he picked connecticut like what is that like three three years ago three four years ago only because he went to connecticut for his masters so everyone was giving him like wow you i don't know how you predicted that and then it was like three days later (laughs) they're like oh you went to Connecticut. It's, it's all about guys that ride for the home team when their home team catches fire. Like that's all it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so therefore, you're saying I should ride the Golden Gophers until they uh till they make it. All right, let's let's bring it back to baseball. You know, spring is in the air, which means baseball, World Baseball Classic, spring training. Injuries abounding. What's your what's your injury du jour that you want to talk about i i want to talk about just the worst injury update that you can possibly get which is uh the pitcher stopped throwing today because he had a forearm soreness uh <laughs> it's just it why? is it is just why does the it always happen? worst update to get yeah you because it comes in like it doesn't stop there's just usually like a progression of like so he felt something in his arm and it's like oh not the elbow oh not the elbow (laughs) 
And then miraculously it ends up in the elbow. And then it's Tommy John. And then you think about that person with dread the next draft. This spring we're we're both already in that boat, huh? Yeah, well Di Scalfani wasn't supposed to be the ace of my squad, so that at least I have that. Yeah, at least you have that. But at least Price appears to be largely out of the woods. Could be, right. It, yeah, basically Di Scalfani got the same bill of health, but it doesn't, if you're reading between the lines, it doesn't sound no, as optimistic. I, I as agree. Price. I mean, Price is already back to light tossing, I think. Di Scalfani's shut down for a while. Um, I mean, it's always a bummer to see. I, I can only imagine what getting your hand shattered on a pitch feels like. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with not good. I'm gonna go with not good on that. Yeah, Ian Desmond. Yeah, having your hand shattered in a uh, meaningless outing. God, that's gotta be so upsetting. All right. Well, on that, let's get to the review session. You've had them in such things as hot chocolate and s'mores, marshmallows. Perhaps you've even crafted them in a homemade sense oh oh yes you have you have baked them baked do you bake marshmallows freeze them no it's just it no it's just it's just setting because it's it's gelatin okay i'm all in on marshmallows like Mm -hmm. you're never gonna put a marshmallow in front of me that i don't like but my favorite way (laughs) to eat marshmallows is as rice crispy bars rice crispy bars are extraordinarily good i I don't know why that's not the review session. Rice Rice Krispie bars are like yeah. marshmallows with Rice Krispies embedded in them. Oh, man. I used to have... You remember when they would have the the Rice Krispie bars, like cereal? Um, oh, man. Those were so good. Like, usually... Man, there was like a whole thing of like morning cereal in bar form. You can still buy those at gas stations. I had one last week. Really? Yes. I had I had Golden Grams. Golden Grams, right. That's the one that I'm thinking Which of. Which Golden Grams, I know it was. Golden Grams is not a cereal that, I've, That's like, good. that I've eaten in, I mean, I don't know, at least 10 years, more than 10 years. And yet, there I was like, what bar <laughs> should I pick? Golden Grams, of course. Yeah, like, good. what would I do? And you know that what enables all of those though? It's marshmallows. It is marshmallows. Yeah, that's the thing with the the uh, Rice Krispie bar is that it's gone so fast because there's you're <laughs> eating through marshmallow, which has like no matter, and then Rice Krispies, which have even less matter. So, I mean, I don't know. I is it is it a hot take to say that I don't like that I uh, that I prefer the marshmallows to be untoasted in the form of Rice Krispies? I mean, is that sacrilege on the s'mores front? Mm, no. I would not say... I would not say it is. Because s'mores... You can very easily screw up a s'more, I feel like. Oh, very true. Under Undercook the marshmallow, overcook the marshmallow. A Rice Krispie bar, like... Rice Krispie treats is really hard to mess up. Those are always good. Even like stale Rice Krispies, no problem. The only cooking required is a microwave. So like we're fine. 
didn't didn't waste your time getting into bar form. No problem. <laughs> yeah, I you know I don't even I really don't need them to be Rice Krispie bars. Like Rice Krispie lumps, like anything is fine with me. Yeah, no, kind of like um uh pop like yeah pop what is pop, pop, candy popcorn? What's wrong with popcorn balls? Popcorn balls. I, I there's nothing wrong with them, but I, it's just the same no. idea. It's just it's not really a ball, right? It's just kind of like a lump of candy and popcorn. Oh, huge fan. All right. So, you know, to put a bow on all this, we're both big fans of marshmallows and we appreciate the versatility of marshmallows, it sounds like. <laughs> sure. Wow. I'm <laughs> that's, being... that's my reading into this. I'm I mean, I'm out here, you know, proselytizing for marshmallows, but you don't have to be as into it. I am always written down as the peep lover in my household, so I must be. Must be true. Okay, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. You can try tracking down our personal email or sending us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All right, all I've got left for you is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!